listening to episode 38 of the Podpunk Podcast, and my guest this time is a delightful, inspirational, and all-round lovely Adam Perry from A. Uh, Adam joined me on Zoom for a chat about the world, the rise of A, his work with The Collective, who have worked with bands such as Busted and McFly, the life and times in both A and since he joined the Bloodhound Gang, fun times, getting smashed in the face at gigs, returning to gigging um, at like the Download and Slam Dunk Festival, when gigging kind of returned, and there was that all weird period, what that was like, um, the upcoming tour with Absolute Legends Reef, new music maybe, and so much more. Um, I've absolutely loved A since I was in college, uh, so speaking to Adam was just such a thrill and a total honor. Um, be sure to check them out online at the rock band called underscore A on Instagram and Twitter, and make sure you get tickets for their April tour with Reef, um, and hope it doesn't get shut down by this revenge of the coronavirus. Um, anyway, this is my favorite track by A. It's called Here We Go Again, brackets, I love Lake Tahoe, off the amazing album A vs. Monkey Kong. Um, enjoy the chat with Adam, and I'll catch up with you after.
Good stuff. How you doing, mate? I'm doing good, pal. How are you? Good. Yeah. Yeah, very good. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Please. Yeah. I think so. It's good, yeah. It's getting interesting. Um, yeah. Starting to try and feel starting to try and feel festive, but it's taking a while this year to most. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's a it's strange a bit... old year, isn't it? Well, it's been a strange old two years, hasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it really has. And especially now, you don't know whether it's whether it's going to be a Christmas or it's not. Like, you know, mm. you know, got no idea what's going on. So I don't know about you, but I'm lying low. I've just cancelled everything. Not gonna, I'm not seeing anyone. Not going out. We're staying well, in. I've done all my bits. I um, came back from uh, a wonderful two weeks away in Orlando. Um, oh, cool. Good. I've got family who live out there. So I... I the, oh, where, the, whereabouts? Uh, a place called a Popka, north of um, about, yeah, Kissimmee. Yeah, yeah, forty minutes up from Kissimmee. Yeah. Um, so I went there to see my brother, surprised my mum. Uh, did the whole like um, she didn't know what was happening. Filmed it, filmed, you know, the whole Facebook TikTok thing. Uh, <laughs> we did all that. Um, oh, wicked! Yeah, that was. It that was sounds nice. great. Uh, but I got there the day after the first. So there was the first lot that went over the very first flight and they all landed in Orlando and they had like streamers and like the whole parade and stuff for them. I show up. Yeah. Nothing. Nothing at all. Yeah, no felt changed. Felt short changed to be honest. Did you have to do um, PCR by the time you got back? Oh, dude, I swear down for anyone listening who might listen to this. Don't bother with flying. Don't until the, this virus goes away. Don't bother. It's the worst experience. Like genuinely. Yeah. Surrendered. Um, my my brother-in-law just, just he just flew back to Canada today to Vancouver, but he's just been back for two weeks, and uh, yeah, it's such a nightmare. Yeah, I mean, I've got to do some travelling after Christmas, which is the first time I've been on a plane for a long time, but uh, since the pandemic started. So, yeah, I'm missing it. I miss travelling so much. Yeah, I can imagine because like, yeah, because for people like you guys, like who do that, you know, have been doing it for a living as long as you guys have as well. This has this yeah. been like difficult for you guys, like not being able to do stuff. Yeah, it's been weird. I mean, this this year's been good because we did um um we did download in early summer. Oh yeah. Which is great. We did main stage of download. Well there's only one stage this year. And then we did um Slam Dunk in September. So we got some festivals in and the best two festivals in the country as far as I'm concerned. So it's great to play those. Um but yeah very little else, you know. Uh, we got a tour in April which um, I'm hoping Titchwood still goes ahead with yeah. Reef. So that's going to be great. That's going to be our first tour in two, two and a bit years. Right. But now it's weird. Like we always tour in November, always. <laughs> and uh, so it's, it's this, this is the second November we haven't done anything. It just feels strange. Yeah. Has that, be, has that been for any reason that you always do November or is it just happenstance just spells on that? It's just a really good, it's a really good time to tour. Really good. You come up, you, you come back with a bit of money in your pocket for Christmas it was great, and um, it's sort of yeah. It, it just feels it's a good time to see everyone. Summer's happened, so whatever festival festivals you've done has had a bit of a positive impact on tickets generally. And yeah, it's always it's always been a good time for us to tour in November. So, but it's, it's just weird not doing it, you know. Yeah. But yeah, hopefully lots next year. But we'll see how Omnicom develops. See how it plays out. It's going to be. So it's it's our it's our crew, you know. Feel desperately sorry for all everybody we know, like like yourself probably. Everybody we know works in music, everyone, yeah. and uh, and they're all so, you know everyone's so affected by it all. Yeah, um, you, you know, so it's uh, it's been a tough old tough old two years. 
Yeah, two or three years, nearly. Yeah, I can almost imagine because obviously um, a lot of bands in the second it sort of like opened up a little bit. Things like gigs started coming back and they were great. Yeah, that's um, oh, great. And now, like, I could see left, right, and center just bands canceling like the tail end of tours, or now even saying, yeah, uh, because of Omicron and all that sort of stuff, they're getting the can- they're having to cancel their tours as well. Yeah, I just saw and and Shikari just canceled their shows tonight and next couple yeah. of days. It's going to happen all the time, isn't it? Yeah, um, yeah. We were back to almost normality, weren't we? You know, it felt we like stayed it. in hotels, we were traveling, we were we weren't wearing face masks in restaurants and etc. I remember going on holiday to Scotland this year and. Um, we family holiday to Scotland and it just felt like we were properly back to normal. Mm-hmm. And now it just feels even worse than last year. Cause at least last year we knew what was going on. Yeah. This year, just we just left in limbo. If you're a restaurant, like, do you open? Do you not open? Are you closed next week? Are you not? No one's got a clue. No. There's no guidance from idiots upstairs. So, you know, what do you do? Just it's every man for himself, isn't it? Yeah. And that's unfortunately what it's become, I think. I think there's, too, there's a lot of this every man for himself. Malarkey. Like I got my third, my booster yesterday. Oh, cool. Um, you know, I, I'm I'm all for it. Like, pump me full of oh, whatever yeah. it, I need, really, to be able me to carry on. But I just, I, yeah. I, you know, I hate that. I hate that the whole idea of um, not getting, like, not taking vaccines and medications, like, almost become part of political like zeitgeist now. And it's kind of stupid that it's that's mad. the way that people react to everything. Yeah, we were talking about it just yesterday. It's nuts that this this pandemic has become politicized. Imagine dogs behaving this way. Mm. Right, we, we've got we've got something that gets us out of jail. Get, <laughs> potentially, if we all take this vaccine, we yeah. all and we all wear masks and we all just do these little little things that our forefathers have to go and sit in trenches for seven years and fight and get killed and lose our arms and legs and we're just going to have to put a bit of cotton over our face. We've got the tube and we yeah. still can't do it. And apparently, it's down to freedom and all our bullets, man. Anti-vaxxers, they're scum of the earth, and then and, and then they, they just turn into COVID deniers. It's even worse. It's like as if our enemies have all got together and colluded to invent this thing just so we can have control. And people actually believe this shit. It's just yeah. unbelievable. It just makes you just realise what a shit show this planet is and what we've become as a race, as a as a species. I mean, I've lost all faith in us as a species. I really have. Yeah, yeah. Since Brexit, and I mean. Honestly, we had this exact same discussion that, you know, my, my brother-in-law has, has just gone back to, to Canada. He's like, right, that's the last time I come to the UK. I mean, he, he couldn't have got here at a worse time. You know, weather's shit. Yeah. Everything's appalling. Everything's bleak. Omicron's spreading like wildfire. And, you know, 50% of the country are idiots. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it just seems that way anyway. It just seems like maybe not 50%, but the, the, the ones who are grabbing the headlines and, rioting in the street and it's just i just can't believe how we're acting as a species it's unbelievable it's 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 weird i think it's, it. it's, it's so weird because everyone's just kind of um I, 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 it's almost like if if they've been we, we've worked people have worked out how to push our buttons online and yeah. that's somehow seeped into like because Twitter being, um, my in my opinion, the biggest cesspool of um, human humanity anyway, because I hate the fact that yeah. people try to make points in 120 odd characters or whatever it is. Oh, it's dreadful. I'm not on Twitter for that very reason. Yeah, and but that sort of thing can like in 120 odd characters, people have worked out the formula to make people react exactly how they want them to react, yeah. and the fact that there's so many people that can't seem to grasp that this is the 
the way is just yeah, it's beyond me. It's nuts, and and, and the fact there's no. Someone described this the other day. It's like you used to go into a library and there was facts and there was fiction, and you knew the difference between the two. Yeah. Now you don't. Now there is no fiction. It's just everyone's version of their own facts. So it all depends where you want to get your facts from. They're facts for you, even yeah. though they're complete lies and bullshit for others. And there's yeah, just yeah. no editorial anymore. It's just like, go get your own facts from your own cesspool of people who believe in the same crap you do mm-hmm. and and, uh, and validate the crap you're into. And then you, off you go. Yeah, Spread I've... your own mistruths and, um, and, and, uh, and that's your lot. Yeah, absolutely. And it's just kind of strange that that's... Uh, I, I just don't get how it's taken such a... Such a win. Like, I, 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 I don't know about you, but I um, don't. I hate like the kind of uh, uh, like if it's um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's kind of like hypocrisy on whichever political spectrum you're on. If there's hypocrisy in there, mm-hmm. there's there's ill doing or whatever. Like, push it out. Get rid of it. it. Yeah. It doesn't. It doesn't matter to me. But there seems to be people who are just so like I've decided I'm, I'm here and I, and. This yeah. is, what I will fight for, this little group thing that I've decided I'm part of, regardless of what stupidity comes out of it. Yeah, and it's all because, you know, Bre- Brexit and then Trump at the same time polarised nations, didn't it? It split people down the middle. It's like a silent civil war. You're pro-Brexit or you're a Lever or you're, or you're a Remainer and yeah. there's no middle ground anymore. You know, definitely a Remainer and, you know, and, and, and super angry about it. It's still about what we've done to our country, but you have to respect people's opinion. And if some people wanted to leave, that was great. But it became this war and it's not it's now manifested itself in the in taking vaccines. Yeah. It's it's just nuts. Yeah. And uh, yeah, you think back to twenty twelve where we have the Olympics, where the sort of country was unified and people actually had Union Jacks flying for the right reasons rather than the neo Nazi reasons and it felt like a completely different world. Yeah. And uh, within ten years we managed to completely screw it. Yeah. <laughs> Madness. Anyway. We still got rock music. Speaking of a different world, though, let's talk about the yeah. origins of you got you getting into music and stuff. So I didn't realize that you um, that A was around, and especially like what you did beforehand. You've been around going since the nineties, haven't you? Yeah, we got signed in ninety six. So we um, yeah, it, it, it's the same band. Me and Jason and Mark were in a band since we were fourteen called Grand Designs, like a prog rock band. And it just kept going and kept iterating. And we were always demoing and writing and recording. Right, you know, we moved to London, Mark came down, and we just spent all our time writing and recording and demoing and stuff and constantly and just changing the way that we got, you know, changing our influences changed. And so we became different as as a band. And, and then sort of 94, I mean, this feels like, you know, year, obviously decades and decades ago. But for me, it's still like re- recent history. But like 94, it's, it was like the Beastie Boys and Green Day and Jane's Addiction and Faith No More and all these bands that we love all just seemed to become huge. And and um, and that became our real sort of inspiration. Like the Beastie Boys were really big on our, on our in, in our map and, and so Jane's Addiction and all our old influences like the Police and the Jam and the Clash and stuff. We still learned that old New Wave side as well. And um, yeah, we started to find our, our sort of sound around 94, 95. And, and then we, we just, you know, things, stars aligned and we got a record deal yeah. in 96. But we moved to London at age 19, so it took seven years. But, you know, yeah. things are completely different then. Like, you know, you got a major record deal or you didn't. Whereas now, you don't get either. You just, you're in a band, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Whereas before, it was like, if you don't get a major record deal, you might as well do something else. Yeah. Um, it's completely different. You were chasing this dream constantly. It's either that or nothing. 
yeah. Uh, there was no, there's no in between, which was these days. Um, but yeah, so all, we got signed in '96. We made our first album um, with a guy called Tom Wilson, who did the Offspring, uh, the Offspring albums um, in LA. Spent six months in LA and um, in, in Northern California in Santa Cruz, mixing it, and that was our first taste of sort of West Coast America, and that became a bit of a bit of a thing for us, you know, and yeah. we sort of spent a lot of our time there. And um, yeah, mad. Yeah, and then, and then I didn't think we don't think we got on the radio or had any kind of media attention apart from Kerrang writing about us, which we were always super grateful for. Yeah. Until Monkey Kong, which was 99. And then again, I didn't really get on the radio, but Melody Maker and Kerrang started getting behind it and our tours got bigger and stuff. And all this time we were supporting big bands and I'm going to, you know, doing 250, 300 gigs a year and uh, earning our sort of finding our fan base that way and being allowed yeah. to. Our record label actually allowed us to go do that. They dropped they dropped us before Foghorn came out. Really? And um and they were we were at Brixton Academy watching Faith No More and we showed our label the artwork for an artwork meeting down the Cyrus and our and our designers gave us this like this is before the internet, so they gave us this like A4 piece of paper. I had it in my back pocket, I think, <laughs> and or I can't remember who had it. And we just unraveled it, you know, middle of Brixton and showed it to our label guy. Who was uh, like, holy shit, this is amazing. All right, give us a day. And then within a day, they re-signed us because yeah. of the artwork for Fogon. <laughs> and then Fogon came out and it got on the B list and it turned into a little mini hit for us. And, and um, yeah, that's uh, it just kept going and kept going. But we, we didn't have any real success until 2002 when nothing was a big hit. Yeah. Um, that's the first time we were really on radio, you know, and we... And we just, the stars aligned. We knew at that point, in fact, when we were making the record, rock music was everywhere. It's all over Radio 1, et cetera. And I remember we, we were doing some B-sides in LA just after Christmas. And um, we're staying at this hotel called The Grafton on Sunset, which is, we used to stay at a lot. And it's got its pool in the middle and it's like built around it. And um, it was January, but it was warm. Sitting on the balcony, me and Jay having breakfast. Mm. And, um, and we could hear nothing, which nobody else had heard yet been played out of one of the windows so we went we went down to see his bedroom window and we knocked on the window and it's fred durst and his his mate tom <laughs> or whatever jumping him down on his bed and he got like a like a you know like pre-release copy of it from the label and he's just going nuts jumping him down on the bed and banging on the window going mate it's us it's us <laughs> and uh, yeah from that point i was like you know what we might have a bit of a bit of a hit on our hands and then we get we got home and it all went nuts yeah man what was that like for you guys in the transition period? Because obviously you say it was going up and up and up and up as it went, but like, yeah, did you did you feel that happening at the time? Do you remember, or was it just yeah. like suddenly you were there? No, we felt it was a slow build, and it, you know, look, looking back now, as, as Hannah Montana says, it's all about the climb and our, our sort of slow climb. We were, we were allowed to do it, and they're the they were the best days, you know. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, we we could, the record label really got behind nothing. Mm. And we went and did a video in South Africa, which cost a fortune. Whereas before our videos were like five quid, you know, and um, or doing yourself. Like we went, they won't make a video for I Love Lake Tahoe or All Folks, which are previous singles. So we just got some cameras with a mate of ours, Pete, and went to uh, Palm Springs and just made our own, direct, directed it ourselves, made our own videos. And um, which people are so used to doing now, but at the time it felt alien that you're on a major record label, you've got to go and make your own video, yeah, and um. But yeah, we all we always did stuff like that. But then by the time we did the video for nothing, and we got on the A list at Radio One, it was a most played song on radio for, for for a few weeks, and yeah, it's an enormous hit for us. That 
Yeah, man. Like I when I when that came out, I was in uh, my first my freshest year of uni, and oh really? Was on every single like every club I went to uh, here in Manchester, Saints Hollow, Rock World back then when it when that existed, Rock Kitchen. Yeah. Ev- uh, the Ritz every single get- night we went there your music appeared on it, on it all the time and it was always nothing and it was just like yeah you know you guys um, my I actually have a an, an A story and I wonder if you how good are you like I've spoken to some people on this and they're not very good at remembering gigs and stuff yeah oh I'm shit your memory like G- give it give it get terrible alright cool, really, cool. really really shit I don't know if you'll remember this because I remember it, and it was so it was a gig at the MEN, uh, the Manchester Evening News Arena. It was you guys, uh, uh, AFI, yeah, Offspring, Offspring. Yeah, I remember that. Right? Do you remember what happened to you at the gig? To me personally, or to the band? To you personally? Because I remember um, this. I remember this so so vividly that, and I've always uh, it's it's a story where whenever everyone goes, "Oh, have you seen such and such a band and stuff?" And if your band name comes up in this conversation, I always say this story. Because I remember. No, I thing. don't. No. I remember. I remember our guitar, our, our bass tech broke some of AFI's gear or <laughs> dropped something on their fly cases. Oh, that's shoot. all I remember. Yeah. So I was, I was watching you guys, and I was uh, fairly close up. I was right, you know, so like right before the pit happened. So I'm just kind of in that. Yeah, pit. yeah. And everyone's bopping along and stuff, and having a good time. And then suddenly, like, I feel this like gush, this gust of wind fly past my ear. And I, clap, I catch a Vans shoe just coming up the side of my head. And then it twatted <laughs> you right in the face. Right? And you, really? And you just kept going. You didn't stop. Oh, really? didn't break gate at all. That. You don't remember oh, that? That's amazing. No. I, I, I would have remember thought, that. I'd have been like, I got twatted in the face at a gig. Like, that would have reminded me. You sound all the time. When I joined Bloodhound Gang, that was four or five times a gig. I can so imagine, I, yeah. 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 <laughs> I remember, I remember at that gig, someone came up to us and went, um, it was from Newcastle, me and Dan. Dan does an impression of this bloke all the time. Every time me and Dan and Jason go out for breakfast. Um, he came up to us and went, yeah, enjoy yourself. What about that? Did he have a... And um, it's real kind of Geordie accent. And uh, we, we, we always say that for some reason. What about that? Did he have a... <laughs> That's my takeaway memory of that. And then and then uh, Shane, our bass tech, knocking some of AFI gear over and breaking something. Backstage, oh, no. hey, it's either that. No, it might have been, that might be Wembley. The day before was Wembley Arena, or so. Right, I can't remember. <laughs> yeah, that was funny. Yeah, that, that, there's, there's that, and Offspring ruined my clothes because they just released um, "Want You Bad" and they really they dropped like foam down on um, everyone at the end of the gig and stuff. And then like yeah. I was and I was wearing these like really tragic like. Remember the really 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 baggy pants, the double Ds and that. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're coming back. Yeah, the the outcome of that. Yeah, I have a little wardrobe ready. Um, yeah, got, I'm getting all my dickies out again. The great just did them all off. That that all that all that got ruined because I got these really cheap ones, and like I I actually felt like, almost felt them like burning off as I was leaving the arena. <laughs> the, that's my memories. I saw. I love the Osprey. Yeah, yeah. I love the offspring. Like they just toured again now. They're just in arenas again, and it's like so amazing they can come back and just go straight into arenas. Oh, yeah. longevity, isn't it? Yeah, it's good. Even even a, you know, like you know, we're not in arenas, but we're still doing, you know, decent sized gigs, and the fan base is still there. We've put a record out since two thousand and five. Yeah, unbelievably. Uh, don't blame me. Blame Jason. <laughs> but um, yeah, we um, you know, and it's 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 crazy. Yeah, people still want to come and see you. It's nuts. It's, love it's- it. It, there is a bit of a sort of 
nostalgia buzz going on at the moment for um, yeah. bands that made it, but that that made their first sort of strides in the early two thousands. That's coming back quite heavily. Like, I went to see um, Funeral for a Friend at the Slam Dunk uh, in Leeds. Yeah, yeah, madness in Mad. that. Oh no, they're selling so many tickets. Funeral for a Friend still, it's brilliant. So it changed people. Yeah. And it's it's great to yeah. see that happening and stuff. Do you guys think you'll yeah. ever, do you guys think you'll ever record anything else? Yeah, yeah. We 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 we're constantly making plans and we've been demoing and blah 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 blah. It's just real life has got in the way because we're all really busy doing our own bits, you know. Yeah. Um. Yeah, definitely, hundred percent. Yeah, it's it's definitely definitely uh, a plan and uh, and we're slowly getting there. Yeah. So yeah. What, what is it that keeps? you guys so interested in doing a do you think hanging out right honestly just like yeah i mean like creating stuff is i don't know if you if you watch that beatles documentary you know they get back on on disney plus i haven't yet but i will be doing that that's been in a band right there sitting around creating something for nothing bitching and moaning about your career you know (laughs) bitching and moaning about this and the other going out making tea making tea more tea making tea Maybe doing some work, maybe not. And, and I love that part of it, that whole process. And mm. you know, we haven't done that for a long time where we're all just sat in a room creating. Um, I mean, Jason does it because Jason's a record producer, so he's away doing that with McFly and and others at the moment. And um, yeah. so he he gets he gets that um, more more than I do. And um, yeah, love that. But but hanging out like we we we've got this special relationship, like every band has, where we're just you know it's it's way beyond friendship it's almost like a bit of a marriage and, and um and that's what we love about touring i remember paul mccartney once saying that um touring is um it's 23 hours of, of um sitting around and doing nothing and uh and then but the last the final hour on stage is what gets you through the day and for us it's the other way around it's like 23 hours of um, amazing things but you know, hanging out, and then you got to go do, you got to do a shitty gig. You're like, oh, we could just hang out. <laughs> you know, we just we just love it. We just love our each other's coming. We love making each other laugh. We've always loved making each other laugh. Yeah. And um and uh, like most fans do, the, Be- the Beatles do. You look at that that Beatles documentary. They're just trying to make each other laugh all the time. It's just brilliant. Yeah. And um yeah, so yeah, it's a, it's an amazing thing being in a band. Yeah, well, I haven't I haven't been in a band since. Uh, probably 2006 I think was the last time I was in a band that I put yeah. any kind of effort into I've, I've joined uh, things and whatnot, but like the last band that I loved which was the, my old band in 2006 and me and those guys we all still like we all still message each other um, yeah my brother found like a treasure trove of old gigs at like different crappy venues that we played in and stuff like that and you're right. Like I've noticed that the one th- the one thing that I've noticed about above above all else is that we all try to make each other laugh, even when we're doing games. Yeah, yeah. there's never any, it's never serious, and it's almost like yeah, yeah. It's got us into trouble, you know. People think we're like you know sort of comedians, and we're just like prying about all the time. Where some of our songs are quite serious, yeah. And uh, we took took the songwriting side of it really seriously, but we've never taken ourselves seriously. And we just want to, you know, Jason, you know, just wants to make everyone laugh when he's on stage, and we just want to make him laugh. And um, yeah, and, and it's just—it's an amazing thing. Like when footballers have to hang up the foot, you know, hang up the boots because they get old and the legs go, and they miss all that sort of camaraderie of being in the dressing room and being on in a, in a bus going to a game and stuff. Whereas in a band these days, you don't—you can just keep going. Mm-hmm. 
like everyone just keeps going these days, don't they? It used to be yeah. the Rolling Stones are like this anomaly because they kept, but we're probably as old as the Rolling Stones were now. When people are like, can you believe how old the Rolling Stones are? <laughs> and now, but everyone's everyone's just constantly doing it. Everyone's just no one's giving up anymore. No, no. But you give up and you come back to it, and it just feels like a done thing now. Yeah, that's probably one of the benefits of. I, I I've always think that the music industry's kind of got these this massive pros and cons list, um, and that's probably one of the pros of it is that like you guys can literally pick stuff up and put stuff down when it suits the band rather than it suiting yeah. the label. Yeah. Is that a... Yeah. We're, we're in a very fortunate position to do that. Like, because you know, we've got a fan base and stuff. And, um, so we realized how fortunate we are. We can, we can dip into it when we want, you know, yeah. or when we don't want, we just take some time off and go do other things. Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah, super fortunate to be able to do that. To be able to do this, still, it really is amazing. Yeah, it's cool, man. So you, like you mentioned it before, you're a bit privy to it. So, uh, Bloodhound Gang, how did how did that come about? Like, how did you end up hooking up with some guys from Philadelphia in a drumming capacity? Uh, well, we were um, we were really best mates with them. So they all came to our weddings. We wow. we toured them for months. Yeah, we we like they they were the first band that we played with. Um, in Europe, so our first kind of trips to Europe were with Bloodhound Gang, and then it got bigger and bigger. And we ended up being doing arenas with them when Bad Touch broke, and they had an enormous hit. Um, so we were with them throughout that whole period of just of them becoming huge, and we kind of rode that way with them as you know, as a support band on tour. We learned loads of great things from them, and um, how to treat bands. How you know they're unbelievable people, really are. And we got treated so well by them and learned so much from them. Um, and yeah, so we did, I think we did probably need two years. I did three US tours of them. Loads of, you know, really long tours, like really long tours. And then, yeah, obviously obviously staying, staying in touch and, you know, really good mates with all of them, band and crew. And then, then when um, we sort of not split up, we never really split up, we just kind of stopped because... We had to. We got dropped, and you know, two thousand five or six, I think it was. And um, so, me and Jason and Dan started writing. Oh well, Jason, Dan, and our mate Julian started writing for others. I, I managed them. Right. Um, so we had this. We had this thing called the collective, and we started. Man- I managed it, and we turned into a bit of a writing team. And we started writing for Busted, and then McFly, and then Jason ended up, you know, producing the Matt Willis record with Julian. And then Jason and Dan and uh, went on to and, and Julie went on to do some co-writing with McFly and Jason ended up producing that record, um, Motion in the Ocean, and then has done every record since almost. Um, yeah, so at that point I was in the management game. You know, we built a studio in Essex. It looked great. We had, uh, you know, we made it look like we wanted to make it look. It was a place to hang out. We were doing, we were making great music down there every day with other bands. And, uh, and I was in the business world, which I've always liked. And... Um, I've always liked the business side of music. I've always always been in, involved in that, and um, yeah, that was it. I was done. I was I was kind of in in business, and then I from the tour manager called me one day. And went, uh, Billy's quit, um, or he's had enough, and uh, we're looking for drummers. Um, we've got this arena tour coming up in I think it was February. Mm-hmm. Do you want to do it? I said, like, mate, I'd love to, but I'm not sure if I can. I got you know juggle all these things that I've got going on. He's like, oh no, it's fine. We'll give you your own room, your own production room. You set your Mac up and just work, and, and um, so that's it. So I was like, yeah, okay, I'd love to play arenas again. That'd be amazing. And um, so I joined the band for three weeks, and then ten years later, still still doing it. You know, it turned into right. 
that tour turned into a two-year tour. <laughs> and um, so, yeah, I had a record label and I was managing artists and managing Jason and Dan as writers, all at the same time as being the drummer in Bloodhound Gang and being, on, you know, globally on, 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 a, on a world tour. So, um, sorry, Jordan, the dog's going nuts because it's Amazon at the door probably. It's all good. One second, we just have to ride this, ride this bit out. My buddy stops yapping. <laughs> yeah, it's all good. Yeah, so that's how it started. Okay, and it, but yeah. it, there's, there's a thing in that that surprised me when you took when you said it, and it was like, and it, it's not that I thought that they were dicks or anything like that, but when you said about like how good they are and um, how they treat bands and stuff, there's yeah. always this element of that band where I think is clearly some <laughs> sort of misconception that they are just jokers and pissheads and that's yeah. all that, that's all that it is but yeah, yeah. A, it sounds like there's actually um there seem, seems to be like a heart behind the monster oh yeah there's way more to it than that yeah yeah there's way more to it like you know i i've watched jared jared's one of the best people i've ever met and um he's super intelligent really really funny really switched on and then he just turns into jared you know evil jared about half six <laughs> you know, he's like, okay, let's say evil Jared. And before you know it, is you know, he's he's on the Jaeger mics and his and his um but you, you know, within in the day he's pretty sensible. He's you know, he's writing a shtick list and we're, we're working on local shtick for the gig and blah blah takes it all really seriously. You take the shtick as seriously as the songs. Yeah. And um but but the way they looked after us as people was unbelievable. I'll never forget it, you know, and, and I from the tour manager at that point. Make sure we got fed. Like, these are, you know, before we, we've done gigs where we had catering, um, which is like a step up from where we were at that point. You know, make sure we get fed first. When you were, you know, whereas I've been on tour with other bands where it's like, yeah, you're not getting catered. You're a support band. You could sit over there. And they made this, you know, this, this conscious thing to look after us and make sure that we get, we everyone introduce themselves to get to know who we are. We get, you know, this is the first gig in Amsterdam. We knew everyone by the end of the day. We knew all the crew were. They all introduced themselves. The crew became part of our crew. They, their, their crew come on stage and sang in Lake Tahoe, and they became best mates. And um, yeah, if, if they knew it was going to be a rough crowd, Jared would come on and introduce us, so that the crowd would be into us. And but all these little lessons that you learn that you you we now pass down, hopefully, and we look after support bands. We make sure that all those things, you know, this is what you learn from. From, from years of touring with people, yeah. um, how to be you know professionals, and um, we learned it from Faith No More, we learned it from Deton Hosen, learned it from Green Day, from The Offspring, we, all these bands. You know that <clears throat> I've never met. I don't know, maybe met five arseholes in my life. Right. In 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 rock music, it's very rare. It's such an amazing family of people, and that you make you meet more arseholes walking from Fenchurch Street to Bank <laughs> in in one afternoon. Easy. That, that, see, that does surprise me a little bit, only because you, like, I, and I think this is kind of what we see, or maybe even what we project onto musicians is that, like, there, there is this idea because of the old, um, the old sort of stories of like the Motley Crues, I guess, or the, like, you know, the, 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 the trashing hotels and yeah. getting drunk and, you know, all that sort of stuff, the hammering stuff. Like, I, I never seem to get anyone saying, like a lot of negative stuff and I, I always attributed it to the punk rock um scene but since doing this i've sort of branched out into like some metal and some hardcore and some other like types yeah, yeah. Of rock music as well and it's all the same thing like everyone just talks about it so i, I i'm curious in, like for you where do you think that misconception might have come from for people like me and probably everyone else looking at it looking in from the outside in 
Well, because it's just what you read. I mean, so or what you see on TV, like Bloodhound Gang are the most hedonistic band I've ever, ever seen. You know, I, I've seen stuff I can't even, you can't make up. Right. You know, every, it happens every night. And um, some hilarious stuff, but also some stuff that's like messed up. Like, you know, it's, the stuff has gone horrifically wrong. And, um, but, but most bands have that sort of side to them. It's just, and that's a story that people ran with. And Bloodhound Gang obviously made that story become become the thing that people want to run with because that's part, definitely part of the band. The band is meant to be this outrageous band, and but it's not forced. It's not put on as people. The band mm-hmm. are like that when they get together. That's what they're like. Um, so you get, you know, each gig is just mayhem. You got you got no idea what's if it's going to go left or right. You sit behind drums and you're trying to play a song as best you can. But it could just break. It could break down at any point, and it's just absolute mayhem. That's what I used to love about it. It's okay. chaos, like complete <laughs> chaos. And after the gig, it's chaos, mm-hmm. and then back on the bus, it's chaos, and everything's just chaos. And um, but but underneath all that, they're inc- incredible people that mm-hmm. just look after each other and look after everyone around them. And um, but because that's what you read about, it's what Kerrang would write about, or Enemy or whatever, and it's what you see on TV, it's what you see in the videos. I see any sort of side to the band, you know. It's, I, you know, I don't know Motley Crue, but I'd imagine they're all wicked people as well. Yeah, it just you know, it's just the stuff you read about is um, yeah, is is the other side. But um, yeah. but yeah, you take that side away from Bloodhound Gang, and it'd be just, it'd be it'd be quite quite boring. You know, you want that side of it. You want the chaos, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, I um, yeah, I imagine, I imagine you would. Like, I, I've seen them play. Um, I can't remember. It was Academy Two in Manchester, and they did this cool thing where they like, they got this si- both sides of the audience to make noise. And yeah, yeah. the one that didn't make the loudest noise, they cut all the sound and the lights off that one, and then they yeah, yeah, all yeah. into one corner, and then did a gig just for the rest of it. <laughs> I love that. That was one of the best things yeah. I've ever seen live. Oh, it's so good. Uh, there's some amazing stick and, and on, on the shtick list which sits next, on the set list in between the songs is kind of what shtick is coming up next I remember reading Dick Cheney once and that, that's a great name for some shtick and then watching Jared pull the pull the guitarist from Burning Pursuit on stage in a flight case with a chain tied to his dick that was one of the best pieces of stick and it was called Dick Cheney on the set list and I still to this day think it's one of the coolest things I've ever seen calling it Dick Cheney and you, sort, you start with the name and then work backwards like okay there's a good name what can we do and then he sends people down to the hardware store to get some some chains and yeah, watching him just make, yeah watching Jared make these things constantly. He's not he's not sending people out to make them. He's involved in making all this stuff <laughs> constantly throughout the day. It's, it's, it's important to him as playing bass. Wow, so good. Yeah, I love I love that band. I miss them dearly. We haven't seen each other for a long time, but we talk a lot. You know, we're all, you know a lot of us are on WhatsApp and stuff, and yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's, it's great. That's lovely to hear. Like that, you guys even like even during like you know you know you're saying you guys haven't done anything with A for a while. They haven't done anything for a while. Obviously, global pandemics kind of stopped that as well. But you know yeah. like, th- that you guys still have that camaraderie that it never seems to go away and stuff. That's yeah, really it never cool goes away. Yeah, it's great. And but you know, band and crew as well. You know, all yeah. like Jim texts me all the time about football. He's really into. You know, and I'll text him about NFL stuff and, you know, Philadelphia Union and the MLS stuff. And we're always sort of exchanging texts about that. And it's lovely. You've got this unwritten kind of love between each other, which is just this thing, this thing that bands have. It's great. It's, it's, like, it's like nothing on earth. It's amazing. Absolutely. Well, it is. I mean, I'm sure if you're in the army, 
you have that, you know, to, you, you know, you're not going to go and play on stage and do gigs and actually at war. It must be, you know, yeah, it must be a real band of brothers. So it's not quite to that element, but, um, but yeah, we are, you know, we, we are very blessed and we realize we're very blessed to have these relationships. Absolutely. Absolutely. So going into, um, like what, what, for you personally, what's your, I'll ask you the question. I always ask these kind of questions to, for every guest, but I'm going to sort of mix it up a little bit with yourself because um, of your different avenues and stuff. So first off, what's your sort of favorite, your most, um, your proudest achievement with A? Oh, um, well, like an overarching, vague, proudest achievement with A is that we just did what we wanted to do. Right. Always. We were never pigeonholed. We we were, we wanted to be the Beastie Boys one minute, then we wanted to be the police the next, we wanted to be James Addiction. We had, we had all these different influences and we just did we like Monkey Kong is an album where we just threw all our influences at the wall and, and some of it works and sticks and some of it didn't quite stick. But that was fine. We just we and my my biggest yeah overarching achievement with A is we never even though we're on a major record label for ten years, we never and we were lucky because people at the label were great with us. Um, you know, it's you know, Warner's is a huge, huge label. We never, we, got, we never got stuck. We just, we just ate. We could do whatever we wanted, and that that's to our kind of, um, you know, that that to our detriment sometimes because it's better to pick a lane and really go for it. Like, mm-hmm. oh right, you're a new metal band, or you're a pop punk band, or you're you're a fresh metal band, or whatever. Um, but we just flit all over the place, and you know, yeah. it didn't help. It didn't help our career, but it helped us creatively just to. So that that's always a big sense of achievement. That a we're just this thing that we created, and and still are creating. It's just us as people, mm-hmm. and magnified. And 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 there would just be you know if you want to be a country and western song one minute, uh, we had a song called Number One, which is like a like like a country western song with a Billy Joel chorus at the end. And um, but yeah, the rest of the album's kind of pop punk. And that songs like Foghorn and Bad Idea on it. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so I, I love that about a but. I suppose in terms of like tick lists, I suppose um, the second time we played the main stage at Reading in 2002, when nothing was at Starbucks and nothing had been big hits, that was unbelievable. That was, I, I just cannot, I cannot believe what's happening. You know, you couldn't see the back. You just see a sound wave of people jumping them down to you. And everyone, and we, we knew we'd had two big hits at that point and things were kicking off for us. So, so that that was good, and yeah, that was a real big big achievement. And um, and the fact we're all mates, like Dan hasn't been in the band for a long time, but he's still one of our best mates. Me and Jay see him for breakfast all the time. We're always, all you know, we're on a WhatsApp group of five of us, as well as Tim who's in the band now, and we're all just mates. Yeah. That's a big achievement. Um, but yeah, yeah, uh, you know, make, making some incredible records, getting to see the world. Um, Doing those enormous shows, um, Monkey Kong, I suppose, uh, in terms of um, sort of creative output, Monkey Kong is my favourite album. Right. Um, so I think creatively, that's where we were, we were at our best. It's it's certainly the most eclectic of your overall. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And there's some there's some melancholy on there as well, which is hard for a rock band. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's why I love Blur so much. Blur are amazing at, at being melancholic. And so are pavement and, and, and band, bands like that. But rock bands, that's why I love Coldplay. Coldplay are brilliant at it. But rock bands yeah. find it hard sometimes. 
And we had a song called Summer of the Underground, which is a really good slice of melancholy. And it, that song, I'm really proud of that song. Fair enough. Um, lyrically, but... lyrically, Jason nailed it with that, with that song. Cool, man. Um, this question might be a little hard for you then, but I'm going to ask it anyway. So, like, uh, the way I tell the story is you meet someone in a bar, you get chatting, you have a few drinks, and they find out that you are in a band, and they've never heard of A. So they go, but they ask Bastards. you to kill. I know, <laughs> sinful. But <laughs> the question, yeah. that, my my question to you is though, which song of your back catalogue would you pick? Do you think perfectly encapsulates the band A? Old folks. Okay. Yeah, old old folks is my favourite A song. It's a, it's the song I love playing the most. Right. Um, when it when it gets to the final chorus, when Giles pipes in with his backing vocal, um. I get hairs in the back of my neck every single time I play it. Yeah. Yeah. That, 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 that song is, yeah, that song's A for me. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That was, that was a bit easier than I thought. Cause you were yeah, easy. Like yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, then not, nothing is the obvious one. Cause not, nothing is a sort of song that everyone recognizes us for, but all folks is my favorite song. And it's, it's, it's kind of all our influences mm-hmm. in that song. Fugazi okay. in there, a bit of, the police, a bit of the jam, a bit of Green Day, a bit of Beastie. It's all in there. Okay. I like it. Um, with the question about uh, greatest achievement with the collective, that was what you that was what you guys called the... Yeah, 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 yeah. What's your yeah. greatest achievement doing with that? Because obviously you got to do the business side of it and all that kind of thing. What, what, what for you is your proudest achievement with that? Well, again, as a bit of a vague one, we realise that our... Um, our sort of not names. I'm not saying we're famous, but our status and our stature within the industry. We're not pissed anybody off mm-hmm. ever. And it, I realised quite quickly that we are our kind of because of the sort of people we are and the relationships we have that have endured with people. We were able to unlock a few doors and open some doors that 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 might have been difficult to open if we'd have been arseholes right. and. And I still find that to this day, it's nuts because it's such a small industry, especially the rock music side of it. Mm-hmm. Still today, we can get favours from, from all sorts of people. We've got them sort of, which is nice to be. And, um, and um, yeah, so that was the first time we'd really kind of lent into that and realised that that was a little bit of an achievement, really. Mm-hmm. But because we were sort of nice people, we could, we, we could build another career outside playing and recording music. We could do it for other people. And A opened doors for that, and um, some of our successes opened doors when you know, um, and um, yeah. That, but that whole McFly album, a song called Star Girl, which is one of my favourite McFly songs. Remember, you know, that was being written down at our studio and recorded down there, and it's just such an amazing time. We had such a great time. But those boys are unbelievable. They're such ace people, yeah. and Matt from Bust, and all the Busted guys as well that we we worked with before that. But um, yeah, and um, yeah, it was it was uh, it was great working on that. Especially "Motion in the Ocean" was was a great record to work on. And uh, yeah, it, nothing really stands out. But I mean, that's my favorite song. So I just saw them a couple of weeks ago, at the O2, and it's still you know it's starting Star Girl, which is great. Yeah, and um, yeah, it's always good to it. It just yeah. And obviously, Dougie joined our band. I don't know if you know that, but yeah, did, Dougie yeah. was in A for a while. So he, yeah, so. Yeah, and you know he grew up on A and bands like A, so he's mm. great. So I came full circle. Yeah, like um, yeah, amazing. 
Because when they came out, McFly, I saw them at the MEN. My girlfriend at the time was a huge fan of this and dragged me along. And during that period, I was a real, like, music snob. I was such a dickhead. Like, I'd be like, oh, only certain only certain music. You know, it has to be a certain level of cool and hardness and stuff. And stuff. Yeah, yeah. But I was at the gig and I was like, they're only, like, one or two distortion levels down from like a newfound glory or a simple plan or a band like that yeah, that I would completely. that I would go to and not even question it. This but, is what but, really frustrates them. It's what really frustrates them because like Dan uh, Dougie's favorite band is Newfound Glory. Yeah. So and D- Dougie's played a stage of them and 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 and, and, and uh, you know when he joined A we got to do these um, these amazing tours where he was playing pop punk all every night. Um but he does that anyway like we 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 um we just disarmed them with McFly, mm-hmm. and they were on before us, and it was unbelievable. They couldn't believe it because they don't normally have a mosh like that, yeah. um, and that's what Dougie found really interesting about touring with A. We had like you know a proper punk rock mosh still, even though our crowd are quite old now, still goes off. And um, whereas McFly, it doesn't really go off like that. And but there was like kind of you know Camden oi punks with like mohawks and, and and like leather jackets like Vivian from the Young Ones. <laughs> about to give them the finger and then going, ooh. And then before you know it, they've all got their arms around it. She goes, it's all about it. And before you know it, everyone's had the best gig of the day. And yeah. and people walk away from it thinking, bloody hell, my fire incredible. Mm-hmm. It's not till you see them live, you realise how amazing their songs are. And they are pop punk songs, but, um, but they've all got heartbeat. Right? They've all, their songs have got a lot of heart. Mm-hmm. And... Um, yeah, they were, I mean, they're one of my favourite bands of all time. But it's not just because they're really good mates of ours, but because they're incredible writers and, and they're amazing musicians. Like people don't give them don't don't give them credit for how good they are as, no. as musicians. They're really unbelievable and vocalists and stuff. You got to see you got to see them live at Slamdown. It blows people's minds. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, which is, yeah, it's, it's it's amazing for them. I saw, I saw them at the, the Slam Dunk in Leeds as well, and I, oh, cool. yeah. I, I was one of the people that thought it was going to be neck deep. Yeah, that's um, right, yeah. We, that, um, that rumor spread like wildfire. I don't know where it came from. Uh, message boards and people, I think. Hoping, yeah. like, I, th- I think everyone was just like, every American band's... Um, it's not getting, turned it's, up. It's yeah. getting cancelled, so it's got to be a mm-hmm. British band. They need yeah. to pull someone big out of the hat. I, I guess that's the biggest name they could think of. Yeah. Um, but I was like, I was, I was stood there for like the whole gig going, it's just, ah, oh, they're just good. They're just so good. And it's yeah, so oh, good. And Danny was really ill. Danny almost didn't do that gig. He was so ill. He couldn't go on stage. Mm. And, um, yeah, but really? yeah, he came, came on and rocked it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Both, both Hatfield as well. And Leeds was terrible. It's in the right oh. state. Jesus. Well, fair play to him. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. Came on and, and, and ruled it. Yeah, and then we came on and ruined it straight afterwards. <laughs> I don't think you ruined it. I enjoyed you, set. <laughs> yeah, it was all right. Yeah, it was all right. It was good. It's it great. It's it great to uh, to play that. And we, honestly, in all our years of touring, that slam dunk weekend this year was one of the greatest weekends I've ever had. Yeah, same. It really was. It's just had a real camaraderie about it. Everyone from Ben Ray that runs it to all our mates that work there and uh, and all the bands that played. It's just a real sense of like we're back. And everyone's just in it for each other and all the fans and stuff. It was amazing. It felt great. Yeah, it really felt like that. I thought I thought there was a lot of everyone was just really polite and everyone was really kind and just nice and I think yeah. everyone just grateful to be Yeah, like, grateful is a word, Jordan. That's a good yeah. word. That's exactly what happened. Yeah, there's a lot of that. You had so much 
like I know, I know, I know. It's kind of like we were saying at the beginning of this. Like it's little things like wearing a piece of cloth over your over your face when you go out and having a having a p- bit of medicine every now and then. But yeah. there is that thing of like so much. You don't realize how much you lost until you get to do something like that. Yeah, exactly. You know? yeah. Um, my my first gig back. To be fair, I didn't enjoy my first gig back. I did it the wrong way around. I wish I'd done slam dunk first. But my first gig back was, um, uh, you know him, um, uh, Sean Smith uh, Raiders. Oh, Raiders! Yeah, Sean. Yeah. I, I yeah. went to see. I went to see them at Sean, um, our best mate. Yeah, yeah, I know. I've, I've, I've seen, he, I know your brother did their albums and stuff, didn't he? So I know you all like know each other. And yeah, that. yeah. But like, I went to his gig at um, a venue in Manchester, like this underground basement place. And don't, don't, um, when I say this, there's not a slight on the bands or anything like that. But it was one of the worst gigs I've been to because I was. Can I tell you that? But no, no. It, I, to be fair, I've, I've, I'm friends with the drummer sticks, and I've told I told him like <laughs> so he knows. <laughs> but, but, but the reason it was so bad wasn't because the band. The band was amazing, and all the other bands that played that day really impressed me as well. It was the fact that I'd gone into it without thinking. I, my, I hadn't switched my COVID brain off yet. Yeah. Yeah. So everyone being near me, uh, putting my I, even something as simple as putting your hand on a bar. Oh yeah, it was it was awful, and I kind of wish yeah, I'd you, done you, something. You sorry, I kind of wish I'd done something like um, slam dunk first, which was big open air. You know, dip your foot into the pool again, yeah. and then go and do it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, even when we did download, which was beginning of the year, and I see it's outdoors and it's big. But there was that real sense of it was is it okay to take our mask off when we go on stage, because we yeah. were, we were you know immersed in that world where we were you know, washing your hands, you know constantly and wearing masks and staying away from people and fist bumping and elbowing. And you, you didn't realise what progress we've made throughout the year, mm-hmm. and, and until we're about to lose it again now. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, def- I definitely understand that. And then when I got back in the car to drive out and download, and actually go into a petrol station to get petrol, like back on with the face masks. Back in with the, the, the real world was still very much there. It was, a, it was a, a COVID test event was downloaded. So it's allowed to happen, but it's during the pandemic. So, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. You, you forget now how cautious we all were. Yeah. Uh, and, and I also, still am, though. Still, I'm still pretty cautious. And also how dirty we all were. <laughs> dirty, like, dirty like bastards. Really? Like, really? Yeah. Like, you know, I, I, I don't wash. I don't, I don't, I'm convinced I didn't wash as much as I do now. Yeah, and I thought I did. Yeah. Get on the tube, and I touch everything on the tube. Now I got on the tube, and I don't. I put my hands in my pockets, so I can't touch anything. I elbow every single train door, so I don't have to, you know, hit the yeah. button. And you never hit a lift button or anything with that with your finger, you know, or you, you do your pen with your thumb, you know, with your, your knuckle, mm-hmm. and all these little routines you've got into. I never, never change them now. Yeah. And and yeah. You know, probably for the good, probably for the bad. Yeah, yeah totally. Because yeah. I, I, I don't know about you, but I, I stayed in pretty much like most of the pandemic i i got i was one of the fortunate people that got to work from home and nothing happened like negatively yeah. with me um but like <laughs> when work turned around went right well, now things are easing we're going to go to um uh like a, a 40 60 percent into in two days a week off what, what do you do for what do you do for work i'm a paralegal at a law firm oh cool and um they and they were like come in for a couple of days and then you know and i was off sick like within days, because I was yeah. just catching colds and horrible, yeah, horrible shit that I wasn't catching for like over a year. Yeah. So you know, 
yeah, it's not, so now we're about to go back into it all again. That's yeah. like probably another lockdown after Christmas. Hooray! Well, best of time. Anyway, well, yeah, we'll see. The, we're very lucky compared to a lot of people, you know. Yeah, yeah. There is that. There is that. Um, right. So, final question I'm going to ask you, um, and it's just a bit of a fun little silly thing. So, I, um, I'm not a paralegal at a law firm. I'm actually a super rich businessman, and I'm giving you a blank check to book uh, five uh, a five band festival. Um, yeah. But one well, of this ba- game. One of the bands is A. Yeah. Unlimited chat book. Book the other four bands for that gig. You can have anyone. Who would you pick and why? Live or dead? Can be either. Um, Rush would be headlining. Okay. The Boys, because they're the best band in the world. Right, okay. I tell my kids constantly, if you end up loving something like I've loved Rush, you'll have a great life. (laughs) I know, I really, really mean it. Tomorrow's oh. Rush Day. Tomorrow's, tomorrow's the 21st, 21st of 12, 21 12. And me and all my mates celebrate Rush Day every single year. Everybody right. I know is connected by Rush almost. So, so what is almost Rush Day? Day. What, what's Rush Day for someone who doesn't know? You get up and you play Tom Sawyer as loud as possible. You, you <laughs> post on Instagram, how is Rush Day? That's about it. <laughs> Fair enough. It it's like British. Fun, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But we sort of invented it, I think, and it's taken off. Okay. And, okay. Um, those are our mates. We started celebrating. I'm sure before other people did, or maybe maybe it all happened at the same time as other people. But now it's become a real thing. And, was, um, Rush, was Rush one of your first bands that you fell in love with? Yeah, um, my, the first band that me and Jason ever went to see was the Jam, age 11 at Leeds Queens Hall. We walked out of there thinking, "This is it. We need to be in a band." And that was like life changing for me. But yeah. then 14, my mate Stuart on the way to Lake District. I don't forget it. He, uh, he passed me his Walkman and he played me YYZ by Rush from Exit Stage Left. And I just could not believe what I was listening to. Like, there's a drummer listening to Neil Pierce's drum solo. Mm-hmm. And um, that was it. Yeah, it just became lifelong Rush fans. And we've met them twice. Uh, and we were on the same record label as them and they knew who we were. And that was like oh. mind bending. Yeah. And um, we had a song called Rush Song that they knew about, which is a single that was out at the time. And, all right. Um never got to meet never got to meet Neil Peart, unfortunately, and obviously unfortunately he's passed away. But he was the biggest influence on my, you know, on me ever. And the best drummer that's ever lived for me and, and an amazing human being. And um I love Rush. I cannot how amazing Russia. Yeah, I always want to support them. And um me and me and Jace are still working on some concepts. We think we might be able to one day pull off, but still involve Rush. Ooh. So uh, we'll keep you updated. Cool, man. Yeah. <laughs> Alright, cool. So you said Rush. They um, don't know that, by the way. We've got to convince them. <laughs> but we'll see. We're quite good at convincing people sometimes. <laughs> Second. Who, next band? Uh, we're next. So we'd be, we'd be one down from Rush. Fair, fair, fair. Like, it's our, our festival where we're going to hey, put ourselves as, as just, a co-headliner I'm, almost. I'm just backing it. That's um, all. You guys do you're the You're backing rest. it. Then below us is Beastie Boys. Cool, cool. So obviously that's another one from the you know back from the dead, but mm-hmm. um, that band is the biggest influence on m- virtually everybody I know. And I went to see their book tour two years ago, which was emotional and uh, yeah, uh, everything about and just the culture around it changed fashion and they they oh, they were just amazing, absolutely amazing. So they're yeah. they're third, fourth is Van Halen. Mm-hmm. So another blast. Yeah, unfortunately, all these bands can't do it anymore because all the key figures are dead. But <laughs> Eddie Van Halen, unbelievable. And then Mark, our guitarist, 
my best mate is the biggest Van Halen fan you'd ever meet. So we, we we've grown up with Mark being the biggest Van Halen fan and us being the biggest Rush fans, and and, and we've always admired each other's favorite band. And, and um, so yeah, Van Halen. Um, in fact, he just texted me. As I'm talking now, Mark just messaged me about Van Halen. <laughs> and um, yeah, so they'd be um. So how many we got? We got Rush A. BC Boys, Rush, A, hey, the BC Boys, Van Halen. We've got one more. One more. Ah, oh, man. Who's that going to be? Uh, I'd have to say the Beatles. It's not Alan Partridge. But after watching Get Back, yeah, after yeah. watching Get Back, I'd have to say the Beatles. It would be amazing to watch the Beatles. No, yeah. No, I don't think It would have been unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, it's quite I, a good bill. That's yeah, a very good bill. It's, it's impossible because be- everyone's dead. Is that and it's going to be expensive just for their riders alone. It's going to be expensive, <laughs> yeah, and the flights. <laughs> Super expensive, well, yeah. It, and we'd have to stipulate that you know it's like a ten pound buyout, a bag of crisps, and twenty four beers. Otherwise, it's going to get, especially with Van Halen, <laughs> all those red M and M's. Cool, man. So, um, best of luck with everything. I hope the gig, hope the tour um, goes ahead with uh, Re- yeah. Come and see it. Where, where, well, are you up in? Manchester or where you where you based? Manchester, yeah. Oh yeah, so come come down to gig, please. Yeah, we'll do. I, I've got yeah, tickets. Come and throw shit at us. Have you got tickets? Yeah, I've got tickets. That's why I'm hoping it happens. <laughs> yeah, me too. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. But we should meet up for a beer before then. Come down oh. beforehand and we'll meet up on the beer. Oh, Adam, appreciate that. Thank you very much. That'd be, it'd be great. Yeah, it'd be ace. Yeah, definitely. Oh, I, I mean, I really hope it happens. It's gonna be great. Yeah, and the Reed boys are big big friends of ours. Some years gone by, so I can't wait to tour them. Amazing. It's gonna be a right laugh. Yeah. Cool, man. Well, like I said, I hope everything goes smoothly with that and everything like that. Can't wait, and hopefully we get some new uh, A stuff coming soon. Hopefully soon, yeah. But maybe before that tour, who knows? Who knows? Ooh. We'll see. We'll see. Oh, no. Can't do that. <laughs> no. Can't do that. Not him. I really appreciate you coming on, mate. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks, Jordan. Thanks for having me, mate. Have a great Christmas. And you. Um, a successful new year. We'll see you hopefully in um in April. I'll see you at the Ritz. See you at the Ritz, mate. Take care. See you, buddy. See ya. Bye. So that was Adam Perry from Absolute Legends A. Um, a massive thank you to Adam for coming on the podcast. And of course, to you for listening to the show. Uh, please, 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 please give us five stars and ratings on things like Apple Podcasts on Stitcher. Uh, give us likes on SoundCloud, let people know. Um, it really helps us out, as well as uh, following us on all those uh, different podcast platforms that we've got out there. That would be amazing. Makes the podcast more visible, gets people listening. So really appreciate that. Also, if you're not doing it already, please follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Podpunk Podcast and on Twitter at Pod underscore Punk. Um, Want to wish you all a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Probably won't post anything between now and then, but got a few guests lined up in the new year. Should be a load of fun. So yeah, that's been cool. Thank you very much for listening. Bye-bye.